Hello again and welcome to Ken Drew's Real Dirt Gardening 2.0. Many listeners to this show have heard of Kelly Norris, who is making his third appearance here. If you have not, you will soon learn about horticulture's wunderkind. Kelly started out by convincing his parents to buy the contents of an iris nursery in Texas and moving it to his home in Iowa. He was 15 years old. Since then, he's become the most sought-after lecturer representing his generation of 20-somethings and promoting marketing strategies to capture this emerging demographic. And now he has become the first director of horticulture at the 14-acre Greater Des Moines Botanical Garden. Kelly is an award-winning author. His first book, A Guide to Bearded Irises, won the 2013 American Horticultural Society Book Award. His new publication is Plants with Style. We're going to talk about the new book, but perhaps we should introduce listeners to you, Kelly, and to the newly revamped Greater Des Moines Botanical Garden, and welcome again to Ken Drew's Real Dirt. Well, thank you very much. It's, it's a pleasure to be back. Okay, so where is this garden? <laughs> well, this garden is right in the heart of downtown Des Moines, Iowa. That's a, that a, that's like a story right there, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's um, it is. I, I mean, you know, this this place is uh, has, has a fascinating story. I, I mean, you know, Des Moines has earned a, a lot of uh, recognition in the last several years for the rebirth of its downtown. It's it's gotten some uh, some cred uh, for being more than just a flyover capital, as I, I think is probably happening in a lot of so-called flyover capitals uh, across the country, and that uh, these these mid-continental uh, small and mid-sized cities have have found a way to um, to attract a, a younger demographic. Frankly, Des Moines has been ranked as the number one city for young professionals by Forbes magazine, uh, and they found a way to sort of reinvent. Uh, what civic and cultural life around here can look like, and that, that in, in our case includes the Botanical Garden. Um, this building has been here since December of 1979, but the Botanical Garden itself, is, um, uh, as a nonprofit, as a, as a public garden proper, uh, really began back in 2013. So we're, we're very young in this endeavor to, uh, to make a Botanical Garden here in the heart of Des Moines. Well, we could talk about the. We could spend the whole time talking about what happened, <laughs> why this. Right, right, right. Why it took so long. Um, I've I've found that in parts of the country that have long gray winters, botanical gardens are really popular. I mean, you have a conservatory, and people. Yes. They people people need it, <laughs> you know. It's, oh, they absolutely do. I mean, I mean, you know, in the winter time. I mean, the wintertime is, is almost as busy for us in terms of admissions uh, as the summer. I mean, we have a very popular uh, blues concert series that takes place in the winter every Sunday in January and February. It's called Botanical Blues. And, you know, we get about 500 um, guests uh, every every weekend for those concerts um, for, for two whole months. I mean, people people crave just the environment and the in the space uh, in a time of the year when uh, we're the warmest place in town. Right. What might people see if they visit the garden? What are some of the highlights? And, and then tell me what, how you relate to those. Well, so there, the, as you mentioned, I think at the intro, the garden, the property is 14 acres. Now, we've only developed uh, about seven acres of that uh, in this current uh, phase of the capital campaign. So we've got 50% of our life yet to, to write. But within those seven acres, um, 
designed uh, in the master plan by uh, landscape architect Doug Hare from Chicago, uh, there are 11 different gardens uh, in that first seven acres. I mean, so there's a variety of experiences, which public gardens are, are famous and traditional um, uh, um, they, in, in, in doing. They, they offer a variety of styles of horticulture and planting schemes and ways to experience uh, plants and, and to explore, explain, and celebrate them, as we say in our mission. Uh, so, you know, we, in addition to the conservatory, which is um, about 18,000 square feet and is, is the most historic aspect of the property, as I said, opened in December of 1979. You know the, the the one theme that visitors will will find when they come here is is, is water. We're we're situated uh, right along the Des Moines River. We share a boundary with the river, in fact, and our half acre water garden is really the first major outdoor garden that people experience when they come out the building they cross a boardwalk and and into the rest of the garden um, we have a very signature waterfall that comes uh, down our hillside garden and so uh, we, we've really strived here to create a, a very diverse planting space and this is where i'm going to blur into the whole plants with style uh, shtick for a minute mm -hmm. and uh, you know we've really we've really tried to create a garden that has um, an emotional and romantic depth to it. I mean, obviously, we were a cultural institution and we were very driven by uh, a curatorial policy and wanting to, to represent as much diversity from the world of plants uh, as, as, as we can for all the, all the educational and um, um, reasons that we, we would want to, to do that. Uh, but most of all, we, we know that people come to public gardens because they crave an experience and because they want to be um, in a beautiful space, in an oasis, and, and enjoy a connection with nature that they might otherwise be uh, deprived of or it might be absent in some other aspect of their life. And so uh, I think at a very base level, you know, in, this, in the celebration of plants and all of that plant diversity, we've really tried to create uh, unique experiences that we hope will uh, create an indelible memories that, that people will, will want to come here again and again to experience. Uh, well, how much of the plantings are, are things that people could say, oh, I want that for my garden and get, you know, take it to have a takeaway, as they say? Well, I, 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 we hope a significant amount. I mean, I think that's one of the, uh, you know, people like uh, Paniotti Kalaitis from Denver Botanic Garden call uh, gardens like ours activist botanical gardens. Mm. We're, we're really trying to, to activate and, and advocate uh, for not only particular plants, but planting schemes and planting styles that we really passionately believe in for a more sustainable form of horticulture into the future. And I mean, that really, in both our strategic plan and the work that we do transactionally on a day-to-day -day basis, that, that passion for sustainable horticulture and that passion for creating something um, everlasting and, and al almost as if we're planting a horticultural legacy here, uh, those notions are really what underpin um, the, the the most of our of our work. So uh, we, we absolutely want people to come here and say, I want to put that in my garden because we feel like that's the ultimate connection of the dots that we can make. Wow. And what zone are you? Uh, we're zone 5B right here uh, in, in the city. As you said, this is a, a great segue into your, to talking about your new book, Plants with Style. And it's, it's a good read by a very good writer. You are a very good writer. And it seems, oh, it seems effortless to me <laughs> when I, whenever I read anything. And you also have a fantastic newsletter. And I know you write a lot of it. And I read your stuff and I think, oh, it's so easy for him. I'm so jealous. It's like <laughs> he doesn't spend any time. He's just talking. <laughs> He's talking to me. Oh, I wish it was that easy. This, this book taught me... Uh... Uh, taught me that lesson, I think, more so than, than uh, the other books that I've written. Um, 
this this was a labor. I mean, I, I it, I'm glad it seems effortless. I, I've accomplished my my sleight of hand, but um, it uh, it was certainly um, it was certainly a, a work <laughs> that, that required a, a lot a lot of time to uh, to really create. I know what it's like when you're writing about plants. You, you write about a plant, and then you write about 10 plants. And then when you get to the 11th one, you realize you've already said that. And you have to yes, need, find yeah. new words. And it yeah. becomes a little confusing. And and then when you're arranging it, well, we can, we're not going to talk about that. Because it, it the result is that it seems, well, you have a intimate conversational style in this book. And I would say also it's kind of frank. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, that's that's one way of putting it. Yes, I, I agree. The plants are sometimes arranged in ways that, you know, in your presentation might seem unconventional. Sometimes you have related species that that's makes sense. Sometimes you have morphological relationships like woody plants, trees, and sometimes mm -hmm. you connect them because they look like umbrellas. <laughs> <laughs> in the case of Sinalesis and Podophyllum right. and those great, those great uh, perennials of the shade garden floor. So tell me about the genesis of this book uh, in not too great detail. <laughs> sure. No, no. I mean, <clears throat> you know, a book like this um, really is, is what I call a concept book. I, I, this, is, this is not a how-to book, and I, I certainly don't want readers to be uh, disillusioned when they, they pick it up like that. I, I think I am, am passionate about the idea of garden literature. It's certainly not a, uh, not a novel or contemporary one, but the idea that reading about gardening should be as pleasurable as the act of, of gardening itself. Uh, I think one of the things we spend a lot of time talking about in the in the horticulture industry and the business these days is trying to figure out how to how to make our work as relevant to as many people as possible and that often gets sort of pigeonholed into a conversation about how to attract new gardeners and and this kind of thing and and all that is is very very relevant and valid but I think part of it starts a, a little more seminally in our pursuit uh, we have a way sometimes of talking about plants in a very um, in a very bland kind of way. I mean, we describe plants in, in very, uh, in sometimes very, uh, very basic ways in an effort to, to uh, that is really a genuine effort to not overwhelm or, or intimidate people or, or something like that. But uh, we, we lose a little bit of the passion for uh, the, the, the reasons that we came to gardening and the reasons that we ultimately want to um, pass on to our readers and to our listeners and our audiences. And so, uh, this really started with a, a project uh, I think we spoke about maybe last time I was on the show several mm. years ago um, uh, called Dig This, uh, the bookazine for people who love dirt. And it was a project that I pioneered uh, with uh, my nursery, Rainbow Iris Farm, to basically put together a custom published piece uh, that married uh, the idea of curated retail uh, and sort of an expert slice on, uh, you know, the, the, maybe the best plants or the, in our case, the best irises uh, uh, that people might want, uh, married with a kind of content and copy that was um, that was that was sticky, that left people sort of wanting something that that was that kind of hung around with them, uh, whether by virtue of its of its style or its semantics or just because of the way it was packaged. And uh, you know this and. And as do many listeners, is that you know there's 
there's obviously a great amount of things we know about the world of plants. There's there's a, a great amount we we don't know, but uh, there's really nothing new under the sun when it comes to you know to writing um, gardening <laughs> books necessarily. Uh, I mean it's a uh, it's you know we really have to think creatively about about the packaging. Uh, the, the notion of the the medium is the message. The message is the medium. It comes to mind. Um, and and so you know this this project started with really just wanting to create a different kind of uh, a different kind of medium about how to talk about plants and how to communicate uh, the excitement about growing uh, a, a diverse cast of characters in your garden. Well, that that is very interesting. I wondered about that, and when I heard that the book was coming out, I expected to see. Uh, you know, like you had on the magazine, it was something like stiletto heels with plants or something. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you do, your descriptions are uniquely Kelly. <laughs> I mean, you might call a plant <laughs> sassy and you recommend it for kick-ass gardens. And uh, <laughs> how many plant books reference Angelina Jolie? It's just you. <laughs> <laughs> well, for better or for worse. <laughs> so uh, when you say sticky, I, that's good. Because I'm never going to forget that. <laughs> well, and that's, you know, I, there's something about that, though. I mean, when I was in graduate school and had the pleasure of teaching um, in laboratory settings and teaching undergraduates, um, you know, one of my advisors was, uh, uh, had done a lot of work in uh, pedagogy, particularly in agricultural sciences and studies. And, uh, you know, so I learned a lot about teaching. And I, and I think so much of what we do with writing, um, particularly in this genre, is a form of teaching. I mean, it's, a, um, it's all a communicated message with a, an intent so often uh, and our job as a writer is to is you know is to uh, make sure that we connect the dots from a to b that we accomplish that intent but but along the way the, the the way in which we all grow uniquely as writers is in the way we approach that intent how artful we deliver it how how we we direct it how, how who we pointed at and all that and and i i i picked up a lot as um, a young graduate student who was uh, well, I, I was even teaching as an under, undergraduate, uh, and, and learning a lot about how to, to to teach in a way that would help people remember things, that would help build schematic structures in their brain and help them think about uh, uh, how they were learning and 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 what they wanted to to learn and accomplish in the in that classroom setting. So I I, I credit some of that to some good teachers along the way and and how to. Uh, how to maybe say things and how to maybe position things so that people wouldn't forget them. <laughs> well, now this all this backstory. I want to tell people this has nothing to do with what they're going to read. <laughs> I mean, not yeah. nothing, but the, I mean, pedagogy, the art of teaching. That's not what the book sounds like. It sounds like we're having a cup of coffee and you're telling me and you're excited, which is great. I want to remind people that my guest is Kelly Norris, director of horticulture at the Greater Des Moines Botanical Garden and author of a new book, Plants with style and we'll have a link to kelly's website where you can learn more about him and more about the publication his publications more than one so for all this opinion the new book is very egalitarian uh, plants are treated with the same adoration regardless of their status and i mean popular status because you have plants that mm. i don't even know certainly have not grown uh, and regardless of their flashiness or period of bloom, I mean, you have some plants that have microscopic flowers and you're excited about them. And then you have plants with gigantic flowers and you're excited about them. <laughs> and you have some, well, I think one of my favorite parts of the book, of course, is plant oddities where you present so many yeah. plants that I, I know many of them. I've hardly grown any of them. I'm afraid of some of them. <laughs> I've never met some of them. I want them all. Uh, 
especially, now I'm going to try to say this, Buchanitia cabulica. Uh-huh. What the heck is that? Buchanitia cabulica. Yeah, it's this little, it's this little leafy succulent cabbage looking thing. It's, um, uh, it's, uh, it's monocarpic. So, uh, our, the uh, steam gardeners uh, in, in, who are listening know that uh, this plant puts all of its energy into producing a flower once. Um, not unlike things like hens and chicks, little sempervivums. Oh. And, uh, really, really, just sort of keep multiplying. And, and uh, but, but the, the, the journey along the way with a plant like uh, Buchanitia is you get these really gorgeous, succulent, mottled leaves um, that look like these uh, little pieces of costume jewelry. They're like little... Uh, little concentric uh, brooches of, of of leaves, and they're they're really it's a rock garden plant. It's, it really needs to have you know really good drainage. But you know you could grow it in a trough <laughs> just as easily. It's it's one of those plants uh, like so many plants in that chapter. That's chapter five that you mentioned. Um, uh, the kitsch of the garden. Um, it, it, it's a plant that you have to sort of peer into, and you have to sort of. Uh, um, uh, suspend disbelief and, uh, and 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 really uh, and and really just uh, meet them where they're they're at. I mean, you know, you in the lead up to that question, I think you really struck on what I, I, I'm so passionate about when I talk about plants is that, um, you know, I, I've people have accused me of being a plant snob, but I'm I'm uh, I, I'm pretty. I like to think I'm fairly egalitarian. I have a pretty broad palette of things I I, I like, and 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 I certainly have opinions about things I, I I don't like for for what I hope are pretty valid reasons. But uh, the things that are defensible, things that I can I can stand by. But uh, you know, most importantly, you know, the whole motivation of all of the plants in this book, and I think there's you know 325 plants or something in the book, you know, is connecting gardening and and plantsmanship, which is not something that you know we we a word we say a lot in 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 the retail trade of sorts, but uh, it's really connecting the motivations for gardening to people's sense of style. I think before we can talk about any of the the bigger issues, uh, the bigger messages that we want to talk about in gardening, um, we have to really connect plants in the garden to, to people. We have to connect the dots. It's what I call the three P's of horticulture, people, plants, and passion. And and we have to connect people and plants in a in a way that is, as I said earlier, emotional and romantic and and almost visceral and 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 is a way that that is is indelible. People people have to to be excited about about the the pieces that make up their garden. It's like the the, the clothes that make up our wardrobe or the our favorite foods or any any of the things that that essentially are products of our of our style consciousness. The way we sort of you know wish to live and see ourselves in the world uh, needs to be. Uh, Really, how we approach gardening, and I think in order to make it as 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 meaningful uh, to people as as possible, and we know that when something is it is meaningful, that that we feel like it has a purpose in our life, we're going to spend time doing it, we're going to spend money doing it, we're going to we're going to invest ourselves in it, whether that's just as a hobby or or you know something more. Well, it's interesting that you said plant snob because I would say plant geek, but I can. Well, I, that's I would say that too. <laughs> I know what it's like, uh, you know, even when you say Latin names and Buchanitia doesn't have a common name. And sometimes I'm at a loss. I I can't think of the common name of a plant. You know, someone asked me, what's that? And I I just, I can't think of it. I can think of, sometimes I can think of four common names for it, which is the problem. But you you have all these incredible plants and you know what plant, a plant-driven garden is and you're excited about plants. And there was a time when, a lot of people were excited about plants and a lot of people could get unusual plants and you know many of them died <laughs> but that's that's just part of the whole thing 
But now you, you're talk, you have this book of 300 plus plants and where can you find them? How can you get them? You can't go to the local right. garden center and find them. Well, and that's, you know, that's one of the, the pieces that in a, in a small way, I, I hope that um, uh, this book awakens a, a desire of readers to take to the, take to the interwebs and, and Google for something they don't know. Because, you know, a lot of these plants actually are out there, but they may only be grown by one or two nurseries. I mean, they may uh, only be grown, you know, in very small quantities every year. But there are, there are a wealth of specialty nurseries, uh, that some of which are still hanging on out there. Uh, that that deserve our business and patronage, and, no, you mean and I ma hope mail you order know, nurseries. Mail order, right? Uh, you know, so often the the retail garden center has has diverged. I think from a uh, uh, maybe the kinds of plants uh, that that we're talking about in the book, perhaps not exclusively. There's certainly great examples of very progressive garden centers around the country, but they're not in the majority. I mean, I think that's pretty honest. It's frank, but it's honest to say is that um, those those sort of leading edge, cutting edge kinds of institutions, uh, businesses, as it were. Um, uh, are are just not in the majority of of places that that most gardeners will come across, and so, uh, you know, I I should have maybe written an addendum to the end of this chapter that was a full-throated endorsement of mail-order horticulture. Now, again, I'm terribly biased because I've run a mail-order nursery most of my my young life, but I uh, I love uh, I, I love retail uh, through the mail. I think it's um, it, it's as vibrant and and relevant today uh, with the uh, with the internet uh, and I mean so much retail is happening online I mean the news reports from the weekend were that Black Friday's down and more people are shopping online I, why why isn't why aren't we seeing more horticulture online I, I think it's a, a missed opportunity for for the business of horticulture and I, I actually think that probably the greatest frontier of growth in retail horticulture is not in brick and mortar stores uh, unfortunately I, I, I think it's online and uh, and I don't think that's a bad thing by comparison. I, I, I don't want to see retailers necessarily leaving the streets of our cities and communities. But um, by the same token, I, I think it, 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 in a way, democratizes the access that people can have to plants that they may not have seen or heard of before. So, so do you think that people uh, who are interested in having a nursery, if, well, that they might consider something like this? Because, you know, the number of mail-order nurseries, I'd say it's like half of what it was 10, 15 years ago. Oh, I, I would agree. and I, But, I, you know, I think you're driving at a very good point that, uh, you know, we're we're amid a maker movement in our country. We're amid a movement of craftsmanship and an interest in uh, handmade uh, goods and and services that, that in a way return us to a, a more connected world, a smaller notion of the world in a, in a paradoxically larger one. And, you know, I think this, this, one of the things that's really fascinating to me right now is the way in which, uh, you know, retail is changing, both online and in brick and mortar situations. And so I, I you know, the, I could hope that, that a, a book like this, you know, might inspire one person to say, you know what, I'm going to do this. I'm going to I'm going to follow this dream I've always had, and I'm going to I'm going to create a a, a space for these plants to to be connected with uh, with great gardeners. I I I think it's even on the on the dust jacket of the book that you know great gardens uh, are a product of great plants, and and we have a lot of great gardeners in this country that need to be connected with those great plants. And um, you know I, I I know the reality of the numbers and as it relates to gardening books, I, I I don't expect that this book is going to convert millions of people to thinking about a different way of plantsmanship, but I am uh, fervent uh, in my belief that I uh, 
think this book, uh, or I hope this book at least, uh, will will move the move the average uh, and will tilt the dial. Uh, and I think that's the you know that's that's the most that that, that this author can uh, can aspire to is that we we really do something to to better the average uh, of of the kinds of plants that people are growing and that they have access to. Well, I. I... I hope that you are right. <laughs> I think that you're in, going in the right direction for that goal. I have been speaking with Kelly Norris, and believe it or not, we're out of time. Uh, but this, yeah. his new book, Plants with Style, is for people who want to know more about Kelly and want to hear about what turns him on and see a lot of plants, some plants that are, many plants that are familiar uh, and where they grow. And it's, you have a whole chapter that's like right plant right place although you don't say that but it's really about environment and ecology and then you have a whole lot of sexy plants and uh yeah, yeah. and i in my last book they complained they didn't complain they just said aren't you going to have a resource guide in the back and the, if you if you publish something with nurseries they go out of business they change their email addresses it's not that good it, you look at the plant mm -hmm. if you're turned on google it and you'll find Google out the it. things. <laughs> yeah, you'll find out where to buy you'll, it. You'll find you'll find as much and more. You'll find more. <laughs> this is this is the passport to that experience. Exactly, and it is a turn on. <laughs> Thank you again. Thank you so much, Ken. Please join me again next week for another edition of Ken Drew's Real Dirt Gardening 2.0.